Hey pals, are you looking for your new favorite band? Well, the Austin 100 from NPR Music is going to help you. It's got 100 fresh discoveries that you can actually download for limited time. That's 100 free songs, yours to keep, that showcase the best new artists from this year's South by Southwest Music Festival. All you have to do, we make it so easy for you, is visit npr.org slash Austin 100. And until March 31st, you can grab all 100 songs with a click of a link. Or, if you're more of a streaming kind of kid and downloading ain't your thing, search for Austin 100 on the NPR One app. That's my favorite band. Thank you so much for listening to The Big Listen. It means a lot to us, and we appreciate it. Now, maybe if you really love the show and you want to tell people about it, you can go to iTunes and leave us a review. We'd be really grateful. Thanks. Now let's start the show. When you're a 17-year-old girl, you might not want to do the same kinds of things your mom does. But that's not a problem in the Rubin household. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you ideas for how to build happier habits into your daily life. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies... Hi, and welcome to Eliza Starting at 16. I'm Eliza, a 17-year-old girl living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and I am here to try my very hardest to explain what is going on in the wild, wide world of teenagers. If my mom was doing something when I was 16, I would do the opposite thing. (laughs) (laughs) So... Eliza, like, why are you, like, mom's podcasting, why are you doing it too? You should be off doing drugs or something. (laughs) I mean, first of all, I don't listen to my mom's podcast because I don't, it's like creepy to hear it. Like, it's so, I mean, I would if I were someone else, but because she's my mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's it's creepy to me. (laughs) But, um, but I don't feel obligated to rebel against my mom in any (laughs) prominent way, so... I'm Lauren Ober, and from WAMU and NPR, this is The Big Listen, the broadcast about podcasts. Each week on The Big Listen, we introduce you to podcasts you might not have ever heard of, and we give you the inside scoop on shows you already love. Now, you might know Gretchen Rubin as the best-selling author of The Happiness Project and Better Than Before, among other books. And she also hosts the show Happier. My family sees themselves as kind of innocent and perhaps reluctant bystanders with all of my my undertaking. So I don't. Right. And they all get kind of the heebie-jeebies when reading or listening or watching yeah. anything that I'm involved in. So there was no there was there was no right. burst of interest. Well, in you're my always home. well, you're always. I mean, she's mom's always doing things. It was like, well, I'm going this place and I'm going that place and I'm starting a podcast. And I'm writing this book. So it's kind of like, yep, that's. I mean. Classic mom. But then Gretchen invited Eliza on her show, and the teenager's interest in what her mom did changed. Going on her podcast, I was kind of like, ah, here's a time when I can sort of air my, you know, philosophical thoughts about teenagedom. <laughs> um, so then I think that kind of was a definitely a lead up to having my own. So I think that definitely like got it started. Yeah. When well, afterwards you were like, I wish I had talked about this, I wish I'd mentioned yeah. that, and you had all these sort of like yeah. Stairwell thoughts where you thought, well, I should have brought all these other things up. And it's like, you should have a podcast, then you can talk about all these things yeah. that are on your mind. And that's what happened. We'll check in with Gretchen and Liza in a bit to see if having a parent who podcasts helped or hindered the teenager. But first, 
we're going to check in with a show that is like going back to your high school history class. If that class was a four-hour-long disquisition on, say, the Etruscan War. What is it like to fight an elephant in hand-to-hand combat with a spear? Hardcore History is a podcast whose length is rivaled only by the colossal sweep of history it explores. December 7th. It's history. 1941. A date which will live in infamy. The events. That's one small step for man. Not twice to the noise, man. The figures. From this time and place. I take pride in the words. Host Dan Carlin covers some of the world's most important epics. The drama. Tear down this wall. From the Punic Wars of 200 BCE, which I'm sure none of you have forgotten about, to World War I. It's hardcore history. The episodes regularly run three to four hours or more. They are, shall we say, an investment. It takes a whole different sort of mindset to record something that's five hours long. We assume you will listen to this more like you would listen to an audiobook too, with stops and starts and pauses and you know, getting back to it when you can. Dan Carlin of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you for having me. Okay, so why why history? I know this is a, a, a topic you've been interested in for a long time, but why put it on a podcast? Well, it wasn't really my idea. I always tell the story of my <laughs> mother-in-law coming up with the idea once because I would regale poor, captive, helpless family members with the kind of stories that I tell on Hardcore History. And she finally said to me one day, why don't you do a podcast about this? And I said, because... You know, I was a history major, but I'm not a, I have a simple BA in history. And I said, because I'm not qualified. I said, you have to be a historian to talk about these kind of things. And she said to me, I didn't realize you had to be a historian to tell stories. And I thought to myself for a second, so the light bulb went on over my head. And I realized that if we don't pretend to be academic history, and if you quote other people who are the qualified people, maybe you could put together the kind of story that's interesting and that attracts people and grabs them. And something that then as people have told me before, it turns out to be a bit like an appetizer, you know, for people's historical interests. So if it gets people excited about the topics we discuss and then they go to our website and buy one of the books that we used as our resources, I consider that to be a great thing. So this is how I sell it to myself. That's how the whole thing got started. Yeah. So, like, your style of podcasting has evolved, um, and there are some shows out there that are amazingly complex and very heavy on sound design, and they have a million elements to them, and yours is so stripped down. And I wonder if you could explain to me your style of, of podcasting and delivery as you see it. Well, it's funny because we didn't start off stripped down. Um, for a long time, we had theater of the mind components that were a part of our show. We would actually go, mm-hmm. and this started off tentatively too. If you hear the very old shows, you can hear our plotting uh, efforts to try to figure out what we're trying to do. But eventually, I think when we got pretty good at it, we would compose essentially a movie score for every episode we did. Of course, Alexander the Great probably, well, top five nominee for greatest figure in history. He's the guy who all by himself ruined fiction for me. Once you read The Life of Alexander the Great, fiction just seems dull by comparison. I mean, his mother was a witch. 
His father was perhaps the greatest man in European history up till that time. How terrible to have a son that was so great that nobody remembers you. And the parents didn't like each other. And the mother may have been responsible for the father's assassination. The problem with that was is that, you you know, the shows take long enough to do anyway. Well, then once you finished it, then you have to go back and score the whole thing. But we had thought at the time that this would this would help people sort of slide into the moment. And I would still be doing it today if we could. It just became too labor intensive. So I guess when you talk about the stripped down version of the program we have now, it's not by choice. Would I? And I was I was talking with my producer about this. I don't understand how you can talk for that long. Please explain to me how you record your show. I mean, because it seems like you're just speaking extemporaneously. And I don't know that there's anything that I could talk about, not even myself, for four hours. The way we do the programs now is there's nothing scripted, which always seems to surprise people. But but we go in there and I'm planned. I, I've sort of uh, reviewed, the, you know, before I go into the studio, kind of what I want to talk about that day and where we are in the story. And usually I have a, uh, some note cards with some primary source quotes or something that I want to make sure I find a spot to put into today's recording. And then we'll go in and I'll get as far as I can get, speaking extemporaneously, improvisationally. And um, and either it's good and we keep it. And if it's if we keep it, we we stitch it into, you know, the work that we had done previously. And then we will add tomorrow's work or the next day's work onto onto today's work. But it is improvisational and we have a rough idea what we're doing. But, you know, if you scripted it, it just wouldn't sound the same. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, no, I mean, I think that's part of the the real wonder of your show is that it absolutely doesn't sound scripted and thus it allows you to command this authority on the topic. But you know what we're trying to do just so that the listener knows is I'm trying to take these things that fascinate me about these stories because I'm a nut for all this stuff and figure Mm -hmm. out a way to transmit that feeling so that the people on the receiving end feel the same way after they hear if they if they hear it sort of how my brain interprets it and how it turns me on maybe i can get them to feel some of that too and that's the and that's why i feel like and i'm hoping that even if you've heard some of these stories before the way I couch them, the way my my brain reorients them, maybe makes it fun for you again. I had some people who, who wrote me about the First World War series we did saying, that's a story I already knew really well. But it was fun to hear your weird way of, of approaching certain things. And on the uh, Achaemenid Persian Empire program we just did, I compared, you know, a coup d'etat to a game of Clue. Did you ever play that game where... You know, you have to figure out the murder mystery and the weapon and what room it happened. And it was Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick trying to figure out the reign of Cambyses and who this guy was is a little like trying to figure out the whodunit of the game of Clue because something happens to Cambyses. Well, and also in that episode you referenced, you made reference to Clint Eastwood and Darth Vader and all these sort of contemporary references that I think it frames the the history of the story that you're trying to tell in a way that people could get like, oh, of course, like we all know what we all know what Clint Eastwood sounds like. And to be honest, that's how I think about it. I'm not telling you the Darth Vader thing or the Clint Eastwood thing so that you can see it. I'm telling you that that's, I, that's how I see it. I mean, to me, when yeah. I talked about we compared Clint Eastwood and the Spartans and that all the Spartans to me seem like different versions of Clint Eastwood. Well, that's how I see it. The dictionary defines the word laconic as 
a form of speech that is blunt or pithy, that uses an economy of words to make a point, and sometimes the point is particularly biting or on target or maybe mysterious. And I love the word because the word refers to a way of speaking that was popular amongst a particular group of people in ancient Greece, people known as Lacedaemonians, otherwise known as Spartans. Imagine, you know, the love child of Clint Eastwood and Batman, and that's the way they spoke, you know? Man's got to know his limitations. Man's got to know his limitations. Spartans are the kings of the one-liners in ancient Greek history. So what are the, what are sort of the hallmarks of the topics that you pick? Um, what, what specifically appeals to you about these? Yes, I, I always say that I'm somebody who's fascinated by the extremes of human experience. What people are capable of enduring, surviving, going through, and in some cases inflicting and committing. For me, the idea of, of truth being stranger than fiction is something that, as you look at all these stories, just jumps out at you. Like, like when I'll pick mm-hmm. a topic, I'll tell you something, and, and I'm even thinking as I say it to myself— that is so hard to believe. If the history books didn't say so, if somebody wrote this as a drama on television, you couldn't suspend your disbelief. And so uh, I think I'm fascinated by, by what our ancestors and people who are, you know, earlier versions of us in a way. Um, other, to me, these are all us with different clothes and different circumstance. And it's fascinating to watch like lab rats put into different situations, how human beings behave when Mount Vesuvius erupts and you have to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, what to do about that. Or when, you know, Hannibal has just crossed the Alps and all of a sudden it looks like Rome might be wiped out and people are talking about fleeing. Those kinds of things are so illuminating, I think, about us as a species on so many different levels that I'm, I'm fascinated by it and I find it compelling. Dan Carlin is the host of Hardcore History, as well as the political podcast Common Sense. Lord only knows where he finds the time. You can get more info about his shows at biglisten.org. Well, we're going to take the quickest break ever right now. But when we come back, we'll talk to the host of YOY about love and dating in a technological age. Like, I'd rather play Pokemon Go right now than hear you talk about, you know, what's been going on with your roommate. Because it's, it's hard. It's <laughs> well, just that's hard to that's look boring, at you and hear like... your story. That's coming up straight away on The Big Listen. Stick around. This is NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Blue Apron. Not Green Apron or brown apron. It's Blue Apron. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals. Ingredients come with an easy-to-follow recipe card so you cannot screw up, delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. If you're too busy to grocery shop or you're just mad lazy, Blue Apron might just be your new best friend. Get your first three Blue Apron meals free plus free shipping by visiting blueapron.com big. Hi, 
my name is Deborah Watson Novosik, and I live in Copperopolis, California, and I'm listening to the Noir Factory podcast with Stephen Gomez. Okay, it features gangsters and killers and prisons, and that right there would be enough to make it one of the coolest podcasts around. Episodes also focus on Ida Lupino, the great lady of noir, Brian, the writer, and Agatha Christie, the grand dam of mystery. Agatha had already been a fan of Wilkie Collins, as well as early Sherlock Holmes stories, so she had a good grasp of plot and structure. And she had a good knowledge of pharmaceuticals and poisons, so there was that. Top all of that so off so with the velvety smooth voice of Steve Gomez, the mystery writer. And you have a twice-monthly winner of a podcast that you have to check out for yourself. Go do it. Do it now. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober. Do you have a podcast you're just dying to tell us about? Well, then we want to hear from you. So get on the horn and call the pod line at 202-885-POD1. Leave us a message and we will put you on the radio. Now, if you are a person who has dated in the 21st century, then you know that things can get awkward. What is the appropriate text etiquette? When is it too soon to follow your date on Facebook? Will anyone swipe right on me? The podcast YOY celebrates that awkwardness and doesn't shy away from the weirdness of it all. Joanna and her roommate can't look away. That guy. He looks kind of familiar. Wait a second. Oh my God, that's who I just agreed to go on a Tinder date with. (laughs) But the thing that makes YOY so clever, but also a bit unnerving, is that it's often hard to tell if the stories are real or fake. Heck, sometimes I can't even tell if the ads are real or not. Like the boy brow. It's the only product you'll ever need for thicker, fuller, more naturally groomed-looking brows. Who's advertising eyebrow paint so that your eyebrows can look like your boyfriend's? It's the boy brow from Glossier. It's a real thing. I had to look it up, and then I saw a bus ad. Andrea Salenzi is the host of YOY from the Panoply Network. Andrea, welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you for having me. All right. Now, if I were to try to describe your show concisely, I probably wouldn't be able to do it. Um, Can you describe your show concisely? I like to say it's about where love and sex meets technology, that it's a dating advice podcast with advice in the quotation marks. (laughs) But I think the gimmick of dating really is a Trojan horse to talk about larger human stories. And also to kind of experiment with the mold of podcasting today. I think a lot of podcasts sound like a lot of other podcasts right now. And something that I've been trying to do is play with the format a little bit. So one of the gimmicks of the show is that I'm using real and fake stories and I'm combining them in a way that can be unintelligible to most listeners. Yeah. I mean, I find that when I listen to your show... The thing that is magic about it, but also very unnerving, is the fact that I don't know if it's real or not. I don't know if it's fact or fiction. And, like, I want to believe it, but then I'm like, no, you won't be fooled, Lauren. It's not real. Like, do you feel that, like, you wanted to ride that line? Yes. I think that 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 tension in your brain can be so interesting, and it can reveal so much about how you process stories. 
Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, these are stories about dating. This isn't stories that inform your vote. So does it does it matter <laughs> if if it's a fake first date story? No, I guess not. Um, but I think that we all we all want to believe, right? Yeah, just believe. Just... <laughs> so my name's Kate. I'm David. Cool. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So what do you do? Dating is awkward. No one's ever themselves. The whole setup feels artificial. Well, I mean, uh, I'm David, as mm-hmm. you know, as we've uh, met before. Yes, but I was also meeting a lot of guys that night. Fair enough. Yeah. Podcasting's so obsessed with the documentary style of This American Life. I mean, This American Life was um, a foundational show that really helped to launch the future of digital audio, and it launched, you know, a thousand careers and a thousand little Ira glasses in its wake. <laughs> And it makes sense that we listen to most radio with the lens of This American Life trying to imagine the same kind of documentary format. And isn't it fun that you can play with that kind of truth, Mm -hmm. truthiness in your own way? I wonder for you, what drew you to dating uh, and relationships as a subject matter? Well, this show existed before on a community radio station called WFMU in Jersey City, New Jersey. And when I was doing it then, I was pretty bored with my job and I was pretty lonely in my life. (laughs) Like I had, I didn't, I just moved to New York and I didn't have my people yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that the show became a way that I found my people. It became an excuse for catching up with friends. It gave me something to kind of talk about something that helped me tell my story and something that made dating feel less lonely. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you go on a bad date and you get home and you're just thinking, I wish I had someone to tell this to. Like, where's my boyfriend to come home and tell the story (laughs) of this bad date to? (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I think there is a lot of pressure for young women to talk about their dating lives. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? So Roxanne Gay, the author of Bad Feminist, has this amazing quote about how women feel like they've only been given permission to be experts on themselves. And I think that that's why memoirs are more often written by women. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you look at online content, there's a lot of those my personal story essays that a lot of female writers have pressure to release. So -hmm. it came to me naturally talking about my life, talking to my friends and family about what was going on in my dating life. Looking back, I feel like I might have just been imitating what I was seeing online without feeling like I was allowed to launch a show about astrophysics, launch a show about stories from history. And I wonder. You were resigned to have a show about dating because you're a lady. What will people take me seriously about? Well, they probably are interested in what's going on in my pants. So let's just. (laughs) I'm here. We go. I guess who isn't really? The breakup only took 10 minutes. You said, how does a relationship work if you know it's going to end? I said, but what if you change your mind? We've been having the conversation in different ways for a while, but never this calm. I noticed your fly was down. I patted your knee like a chum. We're not going to make it, are we? Suddenly, we felt like buddies. I went into the next room to try to find a new apartment. I emailed a broker seeking a dog-friendly room to cry in. Crossed out, room to cry in. Wrote in, studio. You came into the study to check on me and finally noticed your fly. You said, has it been this way the whole time? 
We were both too sad to laugh. A rash spread around my neck. The movers came. I hugged you in the morning, your body suddenly stiff like an ironing board. I still keep a list on my phone of all the stuff I want to tell you about. As I've been listening to the the sort of reboot of the show, I've been thinking that it's this celebration of of human awkwardness, like just 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 sort of weird human interactions. Um, is that sort of what you're trying to do, or is that just a byproduct of these scenarios you're setting up, like the focus group of episode one? I love that description of the show so much. I I think that there's a lot of confusion about social etiquette with dating, but also social etiquette with new forms of technology. Mm-hmm. I think people are saying, when am I allowed to follow him on Snapchat? Or how frequently <laughs> should I like his Instagram posts? Can I like an Instagram post from three weeks ago? Right. <laughs> I think there's a lot of confusion about about interacting also face-to-face right now. I think we're so caught up in our phones and technology that when we're actually in person, we've become more awkward than ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. right. <laughs> I, like, I'd rather play Pokemon Go right now than hear you talk about, you know, what's been going on with your roommate. Because it's, it's hard. It's <laughs> well, just that's hard to look boring, at you and hear like, your story. It, yeah. I mean, hopefully you would you would meet somebody who is more appealing than, or had more to say than just, you know, like, Dan won't pick up his socks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, I I do think straight dating might be showing up more in this show than not, just because I think a lot of women have arrived in adulthood and they're waiting for straight dudes to catch up. And I think that was part of the fun of the focus group was just um, trying to bring out the (laughs) grabber. Sorry, this is NPR. I'm sorry. (laughs) Trying to... Was a uh, part of the fun of the focus group was trying to capture locker room talk, yeah. like however millennial dudes are doing that right now. This whole time, one of the guys in New York just keeps shaking his head. I just Who's turned on? off my Tinder. Really? Yeah. Why? Had enough. He's done with all the swipey apps and websites that I've been listing off. You know, OK Cupid, Bumble, Match, J Date, J Swipe, Plenty of Fish, Jelly, Coffee Meets Bagel, How About We, Taste Buds, Happen. Tin Dog, Field Grouper, Hi There, Clover, Zusk, The League, Raya, Cray Swipe. Those were all real. Except one. That guy, Christopher, he's the oldest member of the group, and he is not on any of them. He just keeps mouthing wow, shaking his head. People have been hooking up without apps forever. This is new And he's not alone. You know, I have to be honest with you. I've been listening to this. I don't deal with any of this nonsense. I usually deal face-to-face. That's my friend Randy. Longtime listeners of the show might remember him. We have some history. You know, if I see someone in a bar, I'll go up to them and start talking to them. I'm not on any of these apps. Yes. Yeah, so what do you do? You just go up and introduce yourself. You go up and this will be called hollering. You just holler. <laughs> no, that's some sexist crap. Can, can you just go give some holler. strategies holler? to these other guys for holler? how you guys how do, you do it? Randy Christopher, like how do you walk up to the girl and actually talk to her? You act like a man. You, you see someone in a bar. Wow. Oh, man. And you go wow. up. Wow. He just what? castrated That's all of us. That will not fly in New York City. No, 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 no. But wait, wait, wait. Can I ask you a question? No, though? that's ridiculous. Can, it, what, can you, if, if, you don't, if you don't mind sharing, 
Can you walk us through the last time that you, you don't have to name any names, but like how you did it, the last person that you walked up to like a man? Yeah, it was last weekend. I was at Club Secrets in Ocean City, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Not far from He was at the strip club. <laughs> you, you, you dropped some woods. You can holler at Ocean anybody. Whisper. It's not a strip club. Was she in a thong and some, some clear heels? <laughs> Thank God we have Randy to sort of set us back on course. Uh, he was a great foil in the focus group. I'm glad that he has been reintroduced to uh, to a whole new audience. Yeah, Randy goes back to the first iteration of the show, and he is this horrible guy. I mean, he has bad taste in music. Well, if you consider Don Henley bad taste in music, then yes, but, you know. Yeah, no, his, his other favorite song is the hand jive from the musical Grease. <laughs> Uh, he's also a horrible misogynist. He thinks women are too lippy, especially New York City women. He wishes that we would be more quiet. Um, in that episode, he calls women Bettys. Yeah, but uh, he's he's this horrible guy. And, you know, I think every show needs a villain. And it's I like having him on, but I'm not sure if I should continue to have him on the podcast. I have to say I'm glad that Randy wasn't the one meddling in the first date um, in episode three because that would have been even more awkward than it already was. Um, I I have to say that I don't care if that date was real or not, that listening in on two people's date-like interaction was like titillating and gave me the willies at the same time. There's something I need to tell you about. Throughout this date, Kate keeps checking her phone. And there's a reason. Off mic before the date started, she asked me when I thought the date might end, and I said an hour, hour and a half, I don't know. And she was like, great, because I have another date coming in two hours. It turns out this is her usual strategy. If you book back-to-back dates, then if the first guy's a dud, it doesn't ruin your night. It's a good idea. The problem is that neither of us have really been keeping track of time, and the other date could show up at any moment now. This is especially weird because the other guy is also named David. Instead of a journalist, he works in finance. And not only does he work in finance, but he's also a yoga instructor. Like a really buff yoga instructor with a big Instagram following. So I'm starting to realize that David number two is going to show up at any moment. People had physical reactions to that episode. Um, There were moments that were so awkward that it can give you a belly ache. Right. <laughs> and, and people were left with these feelings that they, they hadn't necessarily had before. And the number of emails I got just from straight guys who were like, I'm feeling so much right now and I just need to talk about it with someone because I'm not used to having feelings. It was pretty shocking to me. <laughs> you know, a lot of them just needed to be heard. Andrea Salenzi is the host of YOY from Panoply. To get more info about the show, swipe right on our website, biglisten.org. Hey, remember our pals Gretchen and Eliza Rubin from the top of the show? They're the mother-daughter podcast duo who both have their own shows. Now, Gretchen has been hosting her show Happier since early 2015. So she figured maybe she could help her daughter Eliza out with her own show. When I started out, my mom was like, okay, I'll watch 100 videos about this and I'll figure out how to help you edit and we'll do this together and it'll be so hard. And then um, essentially I just 
knew how to do it anyway right. because I've like grown up with that technology. Know, she <laughs> just like grabbed the mouse out of my hand and was like, "Let me just like do this." I'm like, "How? How do you know, know. what to do?" She's like been I watching c- videos for like hours. I know. I mean, I watched that like how to, and I could not figure it out. And I she love just was that. like. She's just like shoves me off the couch and is like, okay, you know what? I just can't even stand this. Go, go, go read a book. I just love figured. that so much, Gretchen, that you're trying to help her out. She's like, I'm good, mom. Got it. Yep. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And we should have foreseen that. Yeah. We didn't. But Gretchen's overtures weren't a total bust. She actually did have something to teach her daughter about making her podcast sing. It was helpful to have her there to say, like, here are things you actually need to touch on because not everyone's going to understand what you're talking about. Right. She was like, oh, well, you know, you need to have segments. It needs to be sort of organized. (laughs) And so in just in a way where it was like, you can do this on your own, but here's how it's going to be more easily, like, understood, I think. Because I think a lot of, like, what I'm trying to get across is understanding. Yeah. So if I had it all, like, muddled, then I think my points would be a little less clear. Well, we're going to blast off into breakland right now. But when we come back, storyteller supreme Shannon Kaysen lets us put eyeballs on his playlist. Like, I got into podcasting, you know, when it kind of started out and I was listening to Bill Burr and Mark Marin and the New Yorker fiction. And I still listen. Those are the ones that I'm gravitate towards, uh, Radio Lab. That's coming up in a bit on The Big Listen. Don't go anywhere. This is NPR. Okay, you love podcasts, right? You're listening to a podcast right now. Do you think you have any friends, maybe family, maybe loved ones, anyone you care about who might also love podcasts? Well, then you should tell them. Don't keep it to yourself. You should let them know, hey, podcasts are out there and you might love them. And maybe you can go a step further and recommend specific shows to them. Maybe do it in real life or on social media. Whatever. Just recommend some podcasts. And when you do, let us know about them. Use the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y pod. Get it? You're trying a pod. You're trying a podcast. So thanks for getting the word out about all the great shows that are out there. Hey, Big Listen, this is Tony Chambra. I wanted to recommend Not By Accident. It's an amazing podcast by Sophie Harper. It's about a single mother going through the trials and tribulations of from start to finish having her daughter and now building a career through this podcast of telling her story. I started shaking and fumbled with the phone as I blurted out, I need an appointment today. I'm ovulating. Right, what time can you be here, she said. This is a story about how life happens and we can't always control the circumstances or events. We just have to deal with what comes our way. But now and then we can make a big choice and take action and set life on a new course. We don't have to just... Truly a beautiful podcast, but thank you so much and have a good evening. Hey, pals. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I command you to tell me what you're listening to. No, just kidding. But I would like to know. So give us a bell on the pod line, 202-885-POD1. 
Let's get your recommendation on the air. Hey, so great news. It's time for Listen Up. That's the part of the show where we grill your favorite pod people, reporters, producers, hosts, about what they're putting their ears on these days. And today I'm hanging out with Detroit storyteller Shannon Kaysen, host of WBEZ's Homemade Stories. Yeah, from WBZ Chicago. This is Shannon Kaysen. I miss Chicago. I do. When I first moved there, I thought I wouldn't be able to move because I was on probation in Detroit for this thing I did. But I was shocked that I was able to move. Sometimes you count yourself out of something before you even check to see if it's possible. So I try not to do that now anymore, you know. But when I first moved, I was living it up. I moved right downtown in a skyscraper apartment right on Michigan Avenue. Every day felt like I was on a weekend vacation. So live storytelling is hot these days, like smoking hot. Wherever you live, there's probably a storytelling night where regular folks are pouring their hearts out in front of a mic. Shannon Kaysen is one of those regular folks, but he gets paid to do it because he's a hustler and he's good. Shannon, thanks so much for joining us on The Big Listen. We are really happy to have you on. I'm glad to be here. This is cool. So you are you are a person who makes his living as a storyteller, which is amazing. I want to know, what were your early days of storytelling like? When did you get going? In Chicago, I had uh, got an iPhone and started listening to podcasts. And I was I, I got, I got uh, fired from a job. And then I had a lot more time to listen to podcasts, and I started writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, the the interesting thing, I had moved from the south side of Chicago to the north side of Chicago. North side, they had these literary, and so I started going to those and reading. The first one I went to, a place called Story Club, mm-hmm. and I read one, read one of my stories, and someone introduced me to the Moth. I had never heard of it. I, I even though I had the podcast, I didn't listen to it. So I went to a Moth show. And after I saw the moth and started telling stories there, I kind of got hooked. So, like, what's your when you get up on stage to tell a story, or when you um, when you're planning out your own stories for your own podcast, homemade stories? What's your strategy? My biggest thing is if 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 it's not interesting to me, like it has to be interesting. Like I, I step back outside myself and be like, am I? Would I be interested in hearing? about me at eight years old going to Christian camp. But probably not, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> probably not. So would I be interested in hearing about me stealing $50,000 from my job at a grocery store bank and <laughs> spending it all in one day at the casino? <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sound like something I might want to, you know. So, so I try to tell stories that, were them significant points in my life. And all of them don't have to be that huge. You know, some of them can be just about, you know, my ex-wife fighting me or something or me and her fighting about, you know, and that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Who doesn't like a good fight? And those are the stories that are kind of scary to tell because they put me in a real vulnerable position telling that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those are the most interesting stories. The most interesting stories to me are about failure or about mistakes or about 
you know, problems we had, not about, I won every race that I was in, and I won this, and I, I'm the greatest at this. Who wants to hear that, you know, <laughs> in my mind, you know? <laughs> um, so you mentioned earlier that, um, that uh, you know, when you were um, – Unemployed, you listen to a lot of podcasts. Are you still uh, an avid listener? I still listen. I listen not not as much because in Detroit, well, I drive a lot, but it's not like I'm on the train. When I lived in Chicago, I was on the train a lot, so I would listen a lot then. But I I still listen. I listen in the car. Yeah. Yeah. So what are what are you listening to? What are what are some of your uh, your top faves? I'm one of them people. Like if I'm into something like okay i was in the 80s and 90s hip-hop right that's what i grew up in and i still listen to that if you get me in the car i'm playing wu-tang i'm playing nas i'm playing uh (laughs) west coast stuff back with the, the the you know death row and all that kind of stuff so i'm playing all that stuff in the car right so even now like i got into podcasting you know when it kind of started out and i was listening to Bill Burr. Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday. Mark Marin. Welcome to the show. My name's Mark Marin. This the is New Yorker Podcast. Fiction. This is the New Yorker Fiction Podcast from the New Yorker Magazine. And I still listen. Those are the ones that I am gravitate towards. Uh, Radio Lab. Radio Lab. From WNYC. I still listen to those. Those are the ones I gravitate towards. However, now, like, Snap Judgment. You're listening. To snap My wife listened to that one more than anything. She listened to it uh, just all the time. She listened to that one all the time. So I, by you know, I'm a part of that one, but I always listen to it because she listened to it. You know, in third grade, after lunch, my teacher, Mrs. Silvernail, asked everyone to take out their math books. Now, I hate math, but it's not up to me, so I do what I'm told. Then Mrs. Silvernail says, "Not you, Glenn. You come with me for a moment." Uh-oh. In the hall, she bends down. Now, Glenn, do you understand why the other kids tease you? I'm thinking, yeah. They laugh at my answers. My parents make me wear these dress socks with tennis shoes. I bring peanut butter and cucumber sandwiches in my lunchbox. Danny makes everyone sing about my big lips. Mr. Silvernail says they make fun of you because of your lisp. Huh? But not to worry. Because from now on, every day during math, you're going to go to something called speech therapy. And then uh, who else I'm listening to? I I like this Two Dope Queens. Yeah. Yeah, we listened to that one on a road trip the other day. So we listened to all of them. Hey, friends, I'm Jessica Williams. And I'm Phoebe Robinson. And you're listening to Two Dope Queens from WNYC Studios. What what was it about that show that that got you, that grabbed you? You know what? I liked it because it was... um, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect. I think I, I knew the one young lady from uh, the Daily Show, so I liked her some of her skits. And what really grabbed me is that my wife was laughing at jokes that I wasn't laughing at because it's two ladies talking. So yep. she was catching on to a lot of stuff that I was sitting there like, "What? That's that funny?" You know. So it was kind of. <laughs> It gave that dynamic in the car where we could kind of have conversations on something. She was like, yeah, because this is a, that's just what I be thinking with this. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> what I be thinking with. <laughs> so you mentioned you like uh, Bill Burr's podcast. Tell me um, what that's about. Like what's and what's what's appealing about it to you? 
Well, with Bill Burr's, really, it, it was kind of influential to me, too, because the fact that it's one person on the microphone talking for an hour, mm-hmm. he seems like a regular dude, you know, like a just a regular. And he make mistakes. He might say the wrong thing. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm a regular dude, but then I care, you know, and I make mistakes. And I can be corrected, you know, if, if it's something I said that's wrong. You know, you can correct. I can see another another way too. So I'm not saying the lady who died in Florida was a dope. I'm just saying that um, I don't know. You insert yourself into the situation, and there's no good way to insert yourself into a mauling to death by a tiger because you know what that means. <laughs> That's f- brutal. Hang on a second, Nia. Okay, what are you doing? You coming in? All right. Did you lock me in? Okay. Sorry. She just got, she's freaking me out there. Like, I got these new locks on the door. I thought she was locking the door. It's still early here, and I just woke her up. So uh, she's going to be a little grumpy. Nia, if you want to come in on the podcast, let me know. You know, I'll tell you right now, getting married is kind of like falling in love with a wild animal. (laughs) He talks for like an hour. And I talk for like 20 minutes. It's crazy that people can listen to one voice and one person for that long and almost bothered when somebody else is is in, you know, when he interviews somebody, I'm like, I wish it was just him, you know. And I've heard that too about my show. You know, people would be like, I'd be like, I need to interview more people. Like, no, just keep telling your story. (laughs) I'm like, all right. Yeah. You know. Any other, uh, before I let you go, any other uh, shows that you've been listening to recently that that you want to share with us? Any other shows? Well, you know what? I started listening to some of these um, fictional podcasts. I, I I like some of the fictional stuff. There's one even on the same network, Pleasure Town. Mm-hmm. Hello, world. Pull up a stool and let us tell you a tale. It's a tale as tall as it is true. The best stories are. Now, fair warning, before we get to the good stuff, Cyrus over here is a professional killjoy. <sighs> Apologies for Claude. You don't know him as I do, so let me save you the puzzling and sum up the man. He was once my friend, then my adversary, and now my fellow steward. And through that I learned that the grander is bluster, the greater the truth from which it springs. I'm I'm waiting for the next season because I kind of, I'm enjoying the the fictional storytelling, telling about some place in Oklahoma and mm-hmm. the people just want to have pleasure. That's the, the main pursuit in life is to have pleasure. <laughs> Shannon Kaysen is the host of Homemade Stories from WBEZ. To find out more about any of the podcasts Shannon recommended, check out biglisten.org. It's got the links. Well, we've almost reached the end of this week's show, my friends. But before we let you go, it's time for Say It With Me. C-H-A-R-T-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. Chartography is our 60-second mapping of the iTunes charts. But we're not looking at number one or even number 100. You're looking at number 289, which, honestly, is really good because cracking the top 300, as I have mentioned before, is really hard. So this week's 289 is a little show that I like to call... The Delicious Dish. You're listening to The Delicious Dish on National Public Radio. No. 
Just kidding. It's not the delicious dish, but it was spoofed on Saturday Night Live. Uh, no, the show that is 289 this week is The Splendid Table from APM, American Public Media. I'm Lynn Rosetto Casper. Um, and because we're, I think it's kind of appropriate that it's 289 this week since we are very close to Thanksgiving and everybody is wringing their hands, at least Americans are wringing their hands over what are we going to serve? What kind of sides are we going to do? Is the stuffing going to go in the turkey or not in the turkey? Who knows? And so Lynn ably tackles this in one of her most recent episodes. Um, she invites uh, celeb chef Anthony Bourdain. Tony Bourdain, it's great to have you back with us. Welcome. He has two turkeys that he serves. I always prepare what I call a stunt turkey. Which is a tiny turkey that he brings out onto the table and it has the little like paper things on the legs. The little paper booties. Um, it's like the one that he ceremonially cuts at the table. And I show everybody the turkey. Then there's the service turkey. Which is a big turkey, which I take the breast off the bone. But like most people can't do that, right? So um, so then Lynn does have other people on to talk about, you know, easier things like sweet potatoes and wild rice and, you know, um, what you should drink. Riesling is fabulous. I think the answer to that is like a lot. It doesn't even matter. You should just drink a lot because the holidays can be awful. Would you believe me if I told you that this podcast is a weekly thing that you can get delivered to your digital device every single week without even lifting a finger? Well, one finger anyway to hit the subscribe button. Details, whatever. Anyway, go to iTunes or NPR One or any fine purveyor of podcasts and subscribe. Thanks. And as always, we love us some listener feedback. You can like us on Facebook and or follow us on Twitter. We're at here big listen. That's H E A R big listen. So follow us. If you prefer the email, we're at big listen at wamu.org. And you can always fill our mailbags with heaps and heaps of letters. I will not stop you. If you want an easy breezy list of all of the shows we talked about in this week's episode, then subscribe to our newsletter. Do not delay. There's a link on our website, biglisten.org. The show was produced, mixed, and edited by Jacob Fenston. I, Lauren Ober, was taking a knee. Special thanks to our Carrot Top-in-Chief, Beck Feldhouse Adams, for helping out. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army-Navy, the band, not the store. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Andy McDaniel and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., the capital of America. And now a few final thoughts from Gretchen and Eliza Rubin on whether the family that podcasts together stays together. Now, Eliza, are you ever going to have mom on as a guest? Ooh, interesting. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I know you really want to say I, no, but you don't want to be rude. Well, that really hadn't occurred to me, to be honest, because I almost assumed that, like, well, I've been on hers, so it would be exactly the same. But now that I think about it, it actually turns out that that's totally, I guess I would be in control. Ooh. I don't, I almost, I don't, that, wow, that makes me nervous. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not used to that. Um, I mean, it would be definitely interesting to see, like, if she has any idea what I'm talking about when I'm talking about things like that. But we do talk about things that I talk about on the podcast outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So maybe she'd have more of a clue than I think she would. But wow, that would be interesting. Mmm, food for thought. I'll have to ponder this one. 
If it happens, we'll let you know. Till next time, keep listening, America. This is NPR. Hey, are you still there? Good, because I want to talk to you. How's about you head on over to iTunes right now and review the big listen? You've listened to it for an hour now, and you have something to say about it. Write a review and tell us what you think. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Your reviews matter, so make it count. Okay, now get out of here.